play the guitar for you a little bit this morning. One of my favorite memories in, in my life was on a missions trip with our Victor Christian School class. We every year send our students out on missions, sixth grade through 12th grade. And uh, our team, I was in sixth grade, we were in Juarez, Mexico. And there was an area in Juarez, Mexico where it was very dusty and dirty and people were living in a garbage dump. I mean, cardboard boxes as roof, as door, as siding. And I remember thinking, man, this is, this is really sad. When you go overseas and you go to specific areas around the world, you realize how much you have here in America. I think every person needs to go on a mission trip to a place where it's less fortunate than where we live here because it will change your perspective. It'll cause you to be less of a complainer. And I think that's why my parents sent me on the missions trip. They had been hearing too much complaints. And so while I was there, my heart was breaking for these people. And I remember sitting in the back of a 12 passenger van that we had driven from Tulsa, Oklahoma, down to Juarez, 15 hour drive. And sitting in the back of the van that day, I'm watching these kids running all through this garbage city, this garbage area of Juarez. And I was listening to a cassette. Um, yeah, back then we had cassettes. This was during the transition from cassettes to CDs. And uh, I had a Walkman. So I was listening to Stephen Curtis Chapman, Greatest Hits. And there was this song on there as I was listening to it. I'm watching these kids and my heart started to really just break for them. And I wanted to play it for you this morning. We will abandon it all For the sake of the cold No other reason at all But the sake of the cold Be devoted to live and to die for the sake of the call oh, 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 oh. Nobody stood and applauded them So they knew from the start This road would not lead to fame all they really knew for sure was Jesus had called to them. He said, come follow me, and they came. With reckless abandon, they came. Empty nets lying there by the water's edge. Told a story that none could be could explain how some crazy fisherman would go wherever he went with no thought of what they could gain for Jesus had called them by name and they answered me will abandon it all for the sake of the call, no other reason at all. But the sake of the call, holy, devoted to live and to die. For the sake of the call. And so I remember listening to that song and... Of course, he played it a lot better than I could, but I remember my heart just breaking for these children in Juarez, Mexico, and I remember just the cultivation of God stirring up this desire to be used by him, and really the question, is it worth it? Is it worth it? And really, I think this message stirs a question about life in general. What is our life all about? Why are we here? Why are you here? 
Why were you born in this season of time? Why were you born in America? Why were you born and why are you in Tulsa? What is the meaning of life? What's the purpose of life? Is it to make money? Is it to retire someday? Is it to get a house on the lake? Is it to you know, have a business? What, what is the purpose of, of life, of our money, of our time and our talent and our treasure? And I believe that day God was opening my eyes that there's so much more that all of us are chasing after. When people say, is there more to this life? Is there more to this life? That, that at the heart of that, what we're really searching for is not more money. We're not really searching for more pleasure. We're searching for purpose. We're searching for a reason to live. What good is it to have millions of dollars but to have no purpose for your money? What good is it to have all the talent in the world but to have no purpose for your talent? What good is it to have all the time, you have 90 years of life, but what if you have no purpose during those 90 years? At the end of the day, we don't just want time and talent and treasure, we want purpose for our time, purpose for our talents, purpose for our treasure. I'll tell you this, whether you're a Christian or not, whether you're walking through the worst storm in your life, or whether you're on the highest of the mountaintop of success right now, I'll tell you this, all of us want more purpose with our life. We want to know that we made it count, that we did something that's going to last for eternity. Just 10 days ago, there was this question that was surfacing on the internet, and it was all about this young guy, and, and the question kept saying, was it worth it? Is it worth it? What this guy did, was it worth it? And it was really about this guy that actually used to come to this church on occasion. He would sit in these seats. His name pops up on our database on Fellowship One. His name was John Chow. And he was the guy just 10 days ago that traveled to the Sentinel Islands to go and share the love of Jesus with an unreached people group. And when I saw it on the news, I didn't know what to think because there was all this controversy, right? There was all these questions. I knew deep down inside how I felt, but I just, I wanted to know, you know, what was, what was driving him? And, and what I found out is we have staff members in our church, members here at our church that were very close friends with John, that went to school with him at Oral Roberts University, that, that sat with him at church, that came with him to our young adult service. And they said, you need to know that John was consumed by the Great Commission. He, was con he had a purpose for his life. It wasn't about thrill-seeking. It wasn't about adventure. He was highly vaccinated. He had done all the right things to make sure he was not going there with any sickness, any disease. He had prepared years in advance. While he was here in Tulsa, he was consumed with reaching the unreached people group. He was studying the languages. He was consumed with reaching the people that no one was reaching. He was living the Great Commission while he was here in Tulsa. It wasn't like he was waiting for someday to start being a missionary. He was mission-minded even right here in this city. And the more I started hearing about it, the more I started realizing how some of these nasty comments on the internet and nasty articles that were written about him were so far-fetched from who he really was. And so I was talking with our staff about him just this last week, and I just broke down in tears. I couldn't stop it because I, I started thinking with my own life, what are we doing? What are we doing in our lives that counts for eternity? Have we forgotten the reason why we're here, the reason why we gather? It's not about the Christmas production. It's not about a church service. It's about reaching people that are far from God, that need hope, that need eternal life, that need to know there's a savior who gave his life for them. And one of my friends, Andy Bird, he sent this to me in a text and he works with YWAM missions and he knew kind of the behind the scenes, and he said, Paul, this is raw, this is unfiltered, but since you're a mission-minded guy and I'm a mission-minded, this is just coming from a, a missional heart. And it was so good what he said, I wanted to read it to you. He said, in history, before social media, before political correctness, John Chow would have been considered a hero. I wish that we would consider his heart more than criticizing his methods. Before I read any further, for those of you who don't know, John Chow, a young man in his late 20s, traveled to the Sentinel Islands 10 days ago. He was shot by bow and arrow by an unreached people tribe there. There's 16,000 different people groups in the world. This is one of the unreached people groups. There's actually thousands of unreached people groups, different languages, different tribes in the world that still have yet to hear the gospel. This is one of them. He went to their island knowing that it could mean his death. 
They do not let outsiders come in. He was shot by a bow and arrow. He sat in some of the same seats you're sitting in. He was consumed to go and reach them. And he said, I wish that we would consider his heart more than criticizing his methods. It's easy to criticize methods. It's much harder to cultivate a heart that would be willing to lay one's life down that a violent and completely unreached people group would experience eternal life. Was the first man who stepped into Normandy Beach a fool or a hero? That first man's method was going to lead to certain death, but his sacrifice on Normandy Beach eventually led to so much life and freedom from an oppressive regime under Hitler. John's methods may not have appeared wise in the eyes of the world, but he cared enough to try. And because of his sacrifice, a people group that has been otherwise completely forgotten is on the front page of every news channel. There's a martyr's body buried on the beach of a completely unreached people. Let's put his picture up there one more time. His blood was not spilled in vain. At some point, those people will have to deal with the torment in their minds over why a young boy would die for them to hear about a man named Jesus. The question is, what will we do, church? In history, the church would have risen up in breakthrough intercession prayer for a people group with no light, no hope, no gospel witness, no Bible. And many people would have risen up because of his loss to be the next one to try, perhaps a different method, but with the same heart. May John's life be a shot across the bow of critical, inactive Christianity and a wake-up call to eternal perspective and the great honor of a life given for the Great Commission. Whether towards our neighbors or towards the nations, sometimes foolish is noble in the scope of eternity. Sometimes foolish is noble in the scope of eternity. I'm inspired. I want to love people the way that John Chow loved. Something about that stirs my heart that I want to live for something that's really worth it. I want to give my life for something that's wor really worth it. And I truly believe the local church is worth it. I truly believe following Jesus is worth it. I truly believe what we do here on a weekend, week out basis, it's worth it. I think that you giving your time every Sunday is worth it. You carving time out to say, you know what, kids, family, we're going to take a break from football. We're going to go to that 11 a.m. service at Victory. We're going to worship our Savior. We're going to give thanks to God. We're going to show up at that Christmas production. We're going to invite some people. I think it's worth it. I think it's more worth it than the Starbucks drink you'll buy this week, than the gas you'll fill up in your car, than the groceries you get at Walmart. It's worth living for the kingdom of God. Don't you? you ever let anyone tell you it's not worth it to follow Jesus the world sees the cross as foolishness the world sees Jesus as foolishness the world sees John Chow's death as foolishness but it is foolishness in the eyes of God to live for the things of this world and to deny the creator who created you for a purpose that's bigger than a paycheck that's bigger than you getting all the pleasure all the movies you want to go see you're made for more, my friends. You are made for so much more than that. And I want to tell you today, there's three things worth giving all your time, all your effort and energy to. And I'm not saying you got to quit your job or quit being, you know, a, a, a good dad, a good mom, a good husband, good wife, student in college. But I'm saying there's three things that are worth everything in your life to be a part of. Number one, committing your life to Jesus is worth it. You might be here today and you might be someone who doesn't know the Lord or maybe doesn't care about God, you were invited to church today because someone told you to come, to show up. You're looking at us going, man, these people are weird, lifting their hands up, shouting a confession about their best days, worshiping Jesus, this guy on stage singing a song. Let me tell you right now, we have been saved by the grace of God. We can't help but contain our praise, our worship, our passion, our love, the reason we do what we do, the reason why we do these Christmas productions, it's because we are committed to following after Jesus. We love Jesus because he loved us first. In Mark chapter 10, there was this young rich guy. I mean, he was very, very rich in his time. And he wanted eternal life. He wanted to know that one day he would go to heaven. So he came running towards Jesus 
And he said, teacher, teacher, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, don't call me good. God's the only one that's good. And I want to tell you today that if Jesus said that, we should say that too. Don't ever put someone on a pedestal. Put God on a pedestal. People will disappoint you. We're not living for a pastor or a preacher. We're living for God. He's the only good shepherd. It's not about Billy Joe and Sharon, not about Paul and Ashley Doherty, not about Billy Graham or John Chow. It's about Jesus. It's about God in heaven. That's why we're here. And Jesus said, you know the commandments. Don't murder. Okay, got that. <laughs> Don't commit adultery, okay, got that. Don't steal, okay, I'm not stealing. Don't testify falsely, don't slander your neighbors. Don't cheat anyone if you're doing business, don't cheat anyone, do it right, make sure that you do it right. Honor your mother and father, these are laws of, of stepping into prosperity, so much more eternal life. And the guy says, I've done all that. He says, listen, I've kept all the commandments. Jesus says, that's great, but there's one thing, there's one thing. Everybody say one thing. It's always that one thing. There's always that one thing. It's like you're doing everything right, but you know there's that one thing that you kind of hold back. Jesus, with love in his heart, he said, sir, if you will go and sell your possessions and give the money to the poor, you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. And with that, the young rich man hung his head down low disappointed in the answer that Jesus gave him, and he walked away very sad, it says, for he had many possessions. You know, I remember uh, my kids, they got this toy for, for a birthday or Christmas not too long ago, and it's this tunnel, and they always wanted me to climb through the tunnel with them, and, uh, and so I thought I'd bring it today because I think following Jesus sometimes is like crawling through this tunnel. And what I've realized is when my kids asked me to climb through this tunnel, I would get stuck depending on what I was carrying through the tunnel. <laughs> now, there's not much you could take through this tunnel when you're a man of my size. You just have to barely squeeze in there, right? You can barely get through. Imagine if, if, if Jesus was like, hey, come follow me, but you got to come through this tunnel. And, and, and it's only you, like only you can get through there. You can't bring your, your stuff. You're gonna have to leave that behind. You're gonna have to let go of that luggage, that suitcase you keep carrying about the person who betrayed you, your ex, about, about the last ministry that broke your heart, about the, the person, the business that, that didn't do you right. You're gonna have to let go of the luggage of bitterness and unforgiveness and anger and hatred and, 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 and jealousy and greed, your attachments to stuff. Jesus is not against you having stuff, but he is against stuff having you. He wasn't trying to rob this rich man of his stuff. He was actually trying to add more value to this rich man. He was trying to make him truly rich. Not just rich in the eyes of the world, but rich in the eyes of God. In fact, if this man would have stayed a little bit longer in the conversation, he would have heard Jesus tell the disciples that because they had given up everything to follow him, they would receive a hundredfold in this life and in the life to come. Jesus was trying to add value to this man to bring more into his life, but he said it's hard for rich people to enter the kingdom of heaven. He said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for rich people to come into the kingdom of God, and here's why. And listen, if you in your mind are thinking about some rich person out in the world, you're like, well, that guy's really rich. He's got millions of dollars, billions of dollars. If you were to look at 90% of the world Right here in America, we are some of the wealthiest people compared to the majority of the, of the planet. The fact that you have clothes on today, shoes on today, transportation to get to church, the fact that you have a place to live, we are rich compared to the majority of our world. There is so many more people out there that don't have any of the things you have, air condition, heat during the winter, right? Socks to wear, an extra pair of socks to wear. So many people don't even have socks in other nations. We take things for granted. So this, this scripture is not just for the big, big wealthy guy out there. It's for all of us that are here today. And so whenever my kids would get me to go in there, you know, I'd come in. But imagine if I tried to like load my car up and try to bring it through here. You'd be like, that's ridiculous. You can't get your car through there. Imagine if I tried to load my house up. I, I can't get through there. There's only so much that can come in here. If I get stuck in here, Ashley, you come and lift me up and dump me out. 
Oh man, the calories were not worth it, guys. <laughs> I'm gonna get through this. Following Jesus sometimes can be. Come on. Hey there, guys. How y'all doing? But sometimes following Jesus, it means letting go of everything that's holding you back. Does this look a little funny? This looks like one of John's characters out of the Easter play or Christmas play. Come on. But you know, I think about how oftentimes we're trying to hold on to so much stuff. And God's saying, if you would just let me strip that, if you would just let me be in charge of that, I could bless you so much more. You're going to have to let go of things that hold you back, but can I tell you, it's worth it. Everything you lay down for Jesus, it's worth it. He has so much more. I'm going to get out of this now, if I can. He has so much more on the other side of following after him. Salvation is free, but following Jesus will cost you something. It will cost you. There's a young man in our church, and I won't so, show who he is. He's here right now. He's here today. I met him last week. He said, there was someone who invited me from this church this year to come here. You guys were doing some sort of a production. It was called The Hush Room. And he said, uh, because he invited me, I came. But to be honest, I didn't really think ever I would go to a Christian church because I'm a Muslim. I was born in Yemen. My whole family are Muslims. And he said, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of consequences to follow Jesus. If you're a Muslim, you could lose your whole family, you could lose your life, you could lose your ability to, to re-enter that country that you were born in. He said, but I came to the hush room and I was so hooked. He said it was so unique to see people passionately worshiping God, to see the film going on. It was so powerful watching this hush room drama happen on film and it was different than any other religious type of experience that I've been to. There was something real here, something alive, he said. So I came back the second week, he said. And again, Victory Church, there was something powerful, something lively about this place and the people and the way they worshiped and the tears that were streaming down. I don't know what people were walking through, but there was something in this place that felt like they were being touched by a higher presence. I came back the third week. He said, I had to know what would happen at the end of the hush room. And he said, by the end of it, I came down to that altar and I gave my life to Jesus. He said, I am a Christian. He's now been a Christian for about six weeks here at Victory. Six weeks he's been a Christian. He said, I lived my life as a Muslim and I made the decision to follow Christ. I took a picture with him, I posted it online. 20 minutes later he said, please delete that picture. He said, I need to tell my family. He said, someday I will upload that picture myself. He said, but I need to tell my family first and I'll be seeing them very soon. I'll be going home to see them very soon. And he said, pray for me because I don't know how they're gonna receive it. I don't know if I'll be accepted back again, but it's worth it. It's worth it. There was a man named John Oros in Romania during the communist era and he would tell people who came to his services, he was a Christian man, and he had secret services during that time because they had outlawed Christianity. And he said, if you're gonna follow Jesus, there's some things you need to know. It's gonna be tough. He said, if you decide to follow Jesus, salvation is free, but this will cost you something. He said, there will be informants, and they will find out that you're following Jesus, and they will jot your name down, and they will turn it into the police. And you will lose your job, and you might lose your family members, and they might come to kill you. He said, so before you raise your hand to accept Jesus in your heart, I want you to take a class for the next three months to fully understand the commitment you're about to make. He said, by the end of those three months, those people would line up with tears in their eyes, smiles on their faces, and they would say, no matter what the cost, it's worth it. I've decided to follow Jesus. Can I tell you today that following Jesus is so amazing? Following Jesus is so much greater than following the pleasures of this world. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than live in the tents of the wicked. I'd rather follow Jesus than have all the riches that life could bring but have no purpose for the riches that I have. 
I'd rather follow Jesus than anything else. It's worth it. I'm not living for the American dream. I'm living for God's dream. I'm living for the kingdom of God. Is there anyone here today that says, I, I have decided to follow Jesus? Come on. It is the greatest decision you can make. It's worth it. It's worth it. Turn to someone next to you say, it's worth it. It's worth it. Number two. Number two. Sharing the hope of Jesus with others is worth it. Sharing the hope of Jesus. We were not meant just to keep this good news to ourselves. The world is in need to hear what you have to say. The world is desperately searching for hope. In fact, the the biggest Googled question out there on the internet is, why am I here? What is the purpose of life? Believe it or not, the biggest question on Google is not, what restaurant should I eat at? What vacation should I go on? What are the best rules for dating someone? How do I find a mate? <laughs> right? It's, 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 it's not that. The biggest question on Google is, why am I here? What's my purpose? And for those of you that raised your hands that said, I am glad to follow Jesus, you have what they're looking for. We have the answer that the world is searching for. The world has problems, and you have the answer. His name is Jesus. In Matthew 28, 18, Jesus said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me, and now I give it to you. Now go and make disciples of all nations. We call that the great commission. It's not the great suggestion. It's not the great option. It's the great commission, which means that if we believe in Jesus and we've decided to follow Jesus, we don't have an option. It's not like Jesus said, hey, one of these days when you get around to it, when you feel comfortable, you know, after about 25, 30 years of following me and you feel really like you finally built up confidence to talk publicly about me, could you maybe just mention to your friends, your coworkers, the guy in the cubicle next to you that you go to church and there's this guy named Jesus that loves them? If you don't feel like doing it, it's okay. Jesus didn't say it like that. He says, go and make disciples of all. When is it time to start witnessing? The second you start believing is the second you are empowered and commissioned to start sharing the good news with others. And we've got something to share. I remember when I was in seventh grade, I threw a birthday party and I was so excited for this birthday party. I invited 20 people in my class. I told my mom, mom, we got to get pizza. We got to make chocolate chip cookies. She ordered 10 boxes of Mazio's pizza. She made 40 chocolate chip cookies and only two people came to my birthday. Daniel Mao and Matthew Peterson. And it was so depressing. We sat there and we just ate the pizza. My brother John was laughing. He's like, you probably shouldn't throw a party next year, bro. I was like, thanks, bro. We, we, were, we, were, we, we, we weren't the best of brothers back then, but now today we fight for each other. We celebrate each other. We're there for each other. I'm so thankful my brother John. I'm so excited to see this production that he's written come to pass this week. But I remember that night just thinking, maybe I shouldn't throw a party again. Maybe I'm not the best at this. And um, my dad said, Paul, why don't you draw a bigger circle? Why don't you draw a bigger circle? Why don't you invite more people next year? I said, Dad, no one's going to show up. They were too busy. They had other stuff going. They forgot, or they just don't like me. They didn't want to come. He said, draw a bigger circle. So in eighth grade, I invited 40 people. And guess what? 20 people showed up. That's 50%. Come on, Jesus. I'm making friends. (laughs) Thanks, guys. And... Next year, he said, Paul, draw a bigger circle. There's more. There's more. If I say there's more. So I invited my whole class. And, and I, I, I told people, come, come. And, and so the whole class showed up. Then in, in, in the following years, I started inviting other grades. The grade above me, my brother's grade. It, it started becoming this, this thing where people were like, how many people are going to show up to Paul's birthday this year? My senior year, when I was turning 18, I snuck into the principal's office And I got on the intercom of the whole school, kindergarten through 12th grade. And I got a referral for it. I got in trouble. But I said, everyone's invited to my party. It's at my mom and dad's house. And I gave the address on there. And and then I printed flyers and put my parents' address and phone number all over the city. And guys, I had more than 300, close to 300 people show up to my birthday party. I had kids coming in floaties. They were like, thanks, Paul. This is an awesome party. I was like, thank you, Jesus. You redeemed me from seventh grade parties. But I remember that night, my mom was a little overwhelmed, mad at me, and I think she, she was really upset with me. She said, can you tell me next time that you're going to invite the whole school? 
because I didn't have enough food. My dad was laughing. He said, this is great, Paul. This is great. Keep inviting more people. He said, I want to see our house full. I want to see our house full. It sounds familiar, right? Because Jesus said this in Luke 14. He said there was this banquet that was being thrown, and, and the, the one who was throwing the banquet went out and he invited all the wealthy people, all those that had stuff to do. They were, you know, important people, but they sent their RSVPs back. They said, we're not going to make it. We got other things going on. I know this party's a big deal to you, but it's not a big deal to us. So you have your little party, but we're not going to be there. We've got more stuff to do, things that are more important. And Jesus was telling this to other people so they would understand the, the scope of the kingdom of God. He said, so the one who was throwing the banquet said to his servants, go, invite everyone you see. Go to the highways and the byways, the dark places. Go under the bridges. Share it with everyone. Compel them to come so that my father's house may be full. Invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Bring them all so that my father's house may be full. Full. It is God's will to see every church full of people coming back to him, coming and getting right with him. God wants to see every seat in this sanctuary full with people that are coming back to say, Lord, I surrender to you. And church, we have work to do. Those invite cards we had you pass this week, let's get the word out. Let's share this with as many people on Facebook, on Instagram. Paul the Apostle said in Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed to talk about the name that has saved my life. I used to be a religious fanatic. Now I'm on fire for Jesus, and I'm going to tell the world I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the power of God at work of salvation in me. It's worth talking about. It's worth talking about. Some of us are more confident to talk about the latest movie we saw, the latest restaurant we ate at, than we are to talk about Jesus. We'll spend more time to write a review on Yelp or on Facebook or whatever, on Google, than we will to share Jesus with others. Let's rise up. Let's share it. Here's the last point right here. Number three. Let me tell you the last thing that's worth, worth your life. Giving your time, your talent, and your treasure for the mission of Jesus Christ is worth it. Giving your time, your talent, your treasure for the mission of Jesus Christ is worth it. There's a group of people in this room here today that serve week in and week out. They don't get paid. They give their time. They give their talent. They give their treasure here. They show up early. They stay late. They're volunteers, but we call them the dream team. We invite anyone who wants to be a part of this church to join the dream team. They pray for you, they think about you, they serve you, they're ushers, they're greeters, they're parking lot team, altar ministry team, they lead connect groups, they serve at the Tulsa Dream Center, they get involved, they serve in Victory Children's Church, in the nursery. Can we give the Dream Team a big hand? Everyone who serves in this house, will you stand up? I wanna honor all those that volunteer at Victory anywhere in any part of the ministry. Come on. It's worth it. It's worth it, it's worth it, it's worth it. It's worth it, it's worth it. It's worth it, church. Every time you give for the kingdom of God, it's worth it. I look at many of you that show up every week. Every time you come to church, it's worth it. It's worth it, Kenny, it's worth it. It's worth it, David and Becky, it's worth it. You're worth it. I love you so. Ashley and I are committed to this house. We're committed. We're going to be here whether it's raining or snowing or sleeting. We're going to show up. Jay Henderson, it's worth it. Come on. This is a mighty man of God right here. Come on, Hendersons. They showed up to walk it out outreach as a family. Was it worth it? It was worth it. It was worth it. I look at Jamel and Vanessa up here. Come on, Jamel and Vanessa. You stood up, you serve here, you get involved, you've been part of Victory. You guys met each other at Victory. Was it worth it? It's worth it. You better say it's worth it. <laughs> you got a baby, come on, celebrate this baby girl. Was it worth it? It's definitely worth it. Of course, of course it's worth it. It's worth it. Every time we give to God, it's worth it. You know, we're gonna do something right now that I'm gonna ask all of us to participate in. It's commitment weekend. You should have that commitment card that 
you passed down earlier. If you didn't get one, we can pass them down again. And I want you to look at it. But I also want us to pass down an offering envelope today. And maybe you're here today and you say, Paul, I'm not gonna give. I didn't plan to give, I already gave somewhere. That's fine. But if you're here today and you say, Paul, I believe in the mission of this house. And if it requires that extra finances to help move forward this message, this mission to help more people experience God's love, I wanna sow seed into that. This week, I'm asking you to take an envelope. As we get ready to commit to God our finances, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. As you're taking the commitment card and the envelope, I wanna explain to you today what it is. What is this vision that we're a part of? What is the future of this house? People have been asking, Paul, what's the future of victory? What are we gonna do? What's, what's in your heart? I'm glad you asked. We're getting ready to sell our building at 81st in Delaware to Oral Roberts University. They have made an offer to us. It's an amazing, kind, generous offer for us to sell our 81st in Delaware building. With that, that allows us cash to start building what we need to build over here. That building at 81st in Delaware has served our ministry so well for the last 25 years. But it's time to step into the future that God has for us. That building has served, we've got 100 staff members over there. All of our business departments, our missions, school of worship, ministry offices are over there, pastoral team offices are over there, Bible college is over there, our youth group is over there. So with selling that, we've gotta make room over here for all those ministries. We're getting ready to build a next generation building that will serve children's church, youth, and the Bible college right here on this main campus on the backside, right here on the other side of this wall, we're gonna be building a connecting building. This for the future vision includes that future building we're getting ready to build. As we get ready to sell that building, we're gonna be building this new building. We're gonna be building a warehouse for all of our outreach, all of what we do as a ministry, the, the storage area in that warehouse will go back there. We're gonna be doing renovations in Victory Christian School, kindergarten through 12th grade, where we train up boys and girls to be mission-minded, spirit-filled, Christ-centered followers of Jesus that are gonna impact every sphere of influence in this nation. Part of this vision is also getting four acres on the back of our property. This really has four different areas. It's land, it's the building, it's the renovations, it's the warehouse, but more than anything, it's all about people. It's all about helping more people experience God's love, helping people step into a life of victory. This vision is a big vision. As we started to count the cost and started to add everything up, we realized this is gonna cost more than the sale of that land and building. This is gonna be all together as we started putting it together and started sharing it with the board and understanding that the scope of it all, we realized it's an $11 million vision. But by the grace of God, with the sale of that land and building in January, we will have 7 million towards that 11, which puts us more than halfway towards the goal. Come on, Jesus. Man, when we found that out, we were jumping for joy, excited knowing we're gonna have a head start in every past building thing that we've done. We've never had this big of a head start right at the beginning. This is, this is acceleration, it's a year of acceleration. Here in the last seven weeks as a church, we've been sowing towards this vision. Many of you who come here on a weekly basis, you've been giving towards it. We've already seen close to $300,000 given on top of what's gonna come in in January. So that brought us to 7.3, which meant we need to raise this, this weekend in commitment cards. Not that it all has to come in this weekend, but in commitment cards, we were thinking, Lord, we need to believe God that people in this church will rise up and commit 3.7. Can I tell you some good news? Just in the last few weeks, we had different people rise up. One said, hey, I want to, over the next 20 months, we're gonna sow a million dollars towards this vision. Another one said, I'm gonna sow this, sow that, sow this, sow that. So leading up to this weekend, we have already seen in commitments, $2 million committed towards this vision, which leaves us today. Come on, Jesus. Coming into this weekend, we only need in commitments. We're believing God for $2 million in commitments. I believe we can do it. We've already started to see last night and this morning, people rising up with faith. I believe this service, we're gonna put it over the hump and say, hey, let's commit to get this done. So here's, here's what we're asking you to do. In your hand, you have an envelope and you have a card. 
The envelope is just our regular tithe and offering today. We're not asking you to try to commit everything today. So that envelope is just, you know, we're sowing towards what we're doing as a ministry right now towards, towards this vision, but also towards our regular weekly tithe and offering towards what Victory does on a weekly basis, all the outreach mission stuff we're doing, the toy drive. But the commitment card is something you're filling out to say, here's what I'm committed to do over the next several months to sow into this vision. I'm gonna ask Pastor Bruce to come up to pray over our offering. We're gonna agree. Father, we pray for the seeds that are sown today. You said, Lord, Jesus. when we bring the tithes and the offerings into the storehouse, Lord, you would open the windows of heaven and you would pour out blessings that we would not have room enough to contain. I declare that over every person here, Lord, as they faithfully bring their tithes and offerings, that you will rebuke the devourer for their sake. You will multiply that seed. And today, Lord, as we, Lord, target this building, and Lord, as we make that commitment to sow into it, I pray for every one of these commitments, Lord, solidified in their heart. Stretch their faith. Believe big. This is over and above giving. Stretch your faith. Do something supernatural. If God brought something into your hands that, that you weren't planning on, would you sow it into this work? If you, if you will, stretch your faith and believe that. I pray over these commitments. Lord, let them go. Let them grow. Lord, let us see the future. That these, these pennies, these nickels, these dimes represent the little ones, the, the names, the destinies, the people that we're going to reach. Let them go and grow in Jesus' name. Amen. amen and amen. God bless you. Praise God. Well, hey, the band is going to play. We're going to worship God. You said, ask and you will receive whatever you need. You said, I'll hear from heaven and I'll heal your land. You said your glory will fill the earth like water the sea. You said lift up your eyes, the harvest. services, we had people bring their commitment card down to the altar, but it got super congested as people were coming down here. So I thought, we, may, we, probably, we probably shouldn't do that in the 11 a.m. service because 
we could have people getting trampled or getting, you know, walked on. But I really sense in my heart to do something right here, right now. I've been feeling all service that God is stirring some of your hearts towards missions, towards outreach, towards going to Bible college, towards putting your kids in Victor Christian School, towards something where you're saying, man, I just sensed that going into 2019, God's wanting to birth just a greater level of commitment in my heart towards Him. And I don't know what it is. For some of you, you might say it has nothing to do with Bible college or the Christian school. But if I'm honest, Paul, I do sense that God's called me to a higher level of prayer, a higher level of generosity, a higher level of faith, a higher level of stretching myself outside my comfort zone to be a bold witness in, in our own city. Maybe some of you were just impacted by the story of John Chow and you've just been thinking, man, I, I have not been witnessing the way that I need to. I've not been living for Jesus with that sacrificial commitment. And what I wanna do is I wanna open this altar up for people who are ready to step into so much more in their walk with Christ, so much more in your commitment to Jesus. And it may be this whole room, and I'm all, I'm all good with that. It may be just two people, but I sense that there's some people today that God's stirring your heart. God's stirring your heart to maybe go on a missions trip next year or to start doing more outreach or start witnessing more, start stretching yourself. If that's you, would you raise your hand all over this room today if God's starting to speak to you during this sermon, specifically about the sake of the call, about people, about things in your life where you're saying, I really need to lay this down. I need to start going more all in with you. If you raised your hand or should have raised your hand, I want you to come down to this altar right now. Let's take a few minutes and let's just have a marked moment with God today. And we're gonna sing this mission song, we're gonna play this footage, but today, you're saying, Lord, I'm committing to follow after you to a higher level of commitment. I'm gonna stretch my faith. I'm gonna go all in for what you wanna do in and through me. Our hearts will cry. Yeah, there's room at this altar. Maybe you're here today and you say, Paul, I need to get right with God. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I want to start following him. I'm ready to let Jesus be Lord of my life. Come and join us. Whatever it is, bring it to the altar. Lord, I commit to sharing the good news with others. We'll shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will sing. Lord, use them. As a voice to this generation, in Jesus' name, Jesus, it's your praise. So we pour out our praise, pour out our praise. In our love, so we pour out our praise. Lord, I thank you, God, for just a greater level of passion, a greater level, God. right here in this city, in this neighborhood, in this community. Lord, I thank you, God, that you're causing people to rise up with faith. God, a new generation of Jim Elliott, a new generation, God, of missionaries, a new generation, God, of missions, of outreach on a higher level.
done it all for the sake of the call no other reason at all but the sake of the call holy devoted to live and to die for the sake of the call Jim Elliott, a missionary to the Aka Indians in Ecuador, he said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Anything you give up for Christ, anything you lay down for Christ, whatever it is, hurts, wounds, addictions, strongholds, comfort zones, whatever it is, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. They're worth it. It's about him and them. It's about Jesus and it's about bringing his hope to the people in your neighborhood, your community, your family, your workplace. And listen, I believe God has lit a fire today in many of your hearts. Let's carry it into this Christmas season. Let's carry it into 2019. And let's step into the God dream in 2019. I'm going to invite all of us to pray this prayer. Thank you for staying late today, but I sense God is up to something. How many of y'all feel that today? God's up to something. I, I truly believe that we're stepping into a new generation of missions a new generation of, of like the Jim Elliott type of missions where it's like, we gotta bring Jesus. There's 16,000 people groups out there. Thousands of them have not yet heard about Jesus. Let's share Jesus and let's start right here in our city. Let's commit to the local church, bringing hope to our city and to the nations of the earth, training them up right here. Let's go reach them. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Jesus, Jesus I'm, all in. I'm all in. I commit, I commit. to follow you. To share the good news with everyone I encounter. Lord, I commit my talent, my time, my treasure, my heart to you. I repent of sin and I receive your forgiveness. I'm all yours, God. Thank you for saving me. Thank you, God, for using my life to bring you glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.